Welcome to the Rally Point Podcast, where we equip you to support others. I'm Bobby Jackson. And I'm Noah Throw. And today we're going to be talking about supporting people during the holidays. Bobby and I will be chatting with a local pastor about how he seeks to support and encourage people during the holidays. one of the things that can kind of take you by surprise, or or at least it it takes me by surprise, is that a lot of us, uh, as we get prepared for Christmas, you know, we are happy. Like there's like this decoration thing. We we prepare our Christmas messages. I remember we used to do this thing at our church where we would have all of the students come together and help decorate our space. And it was super fun. Uh, But Underneath all of the fun and togetherness and, and even familyness, uh, there are often a lot of people who mm. have maybe less happy family homes or, or other kinds of situations where they're feeling pain. Maybe they lost someone or uh, they just feel left out and, and they're really hurting. And I'm excited to talk with my friend Tim today about uh, people in these kinds of situations because... Uh, he has a heart for this exact situation. Yeah, absolutely. I um, I went to a college where there was a lot of international students, and I remember around the holidays, everyone would go home. We'd talk about what are your plans, and um, and sometimes you know I would talk to my friends who were from you know Malaysia or Thailand or Brazil, and and I'd say you know what are you doing, and it would kind of um, hit a bit different, and we'd start having some conversations about you know this is actually a really tough time because. I'm far away or I feel distant and, you know, we can feel far away or distant from our families, even if they're close by, whether that's emotional distance um, or there's, or there's strife between them, or even it's just our friends nearby that they have places to go and we don't sometimes just even living our lives and being really involved in um, our families and what's going on for us around the holiday season, we can kind of lose sight of some other people around us. And so um, sometimes people get stuck by the wayside. And so it's going to be valuable to, have Tim on just to hear about his experience and what he thinks we can do to reach out and love those people more. So yeah, I'm excited to hear from him. So today we're talking with Tim Caffey, who is one of the pastors at the Vineyard Church in Elgin, Illinois. He is the pastor of youth and worship. Tim, welcome to the show. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. So Tim, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you found yourself in ministry? Yeah, totally. So I did some of my undergrad work Well, my undergrad degree was in worship arts, and so I was preparing to be a worship pastor only, and I had some very formative internship and practicum experiences, especially towards the later kind of time of my my tenure there that really kind of awakened a passion for the life-on-life interactions with people that I was having trouble getting in the context of you know, going up on the platform and playing songs and leading worship in that way. And so it was through those, like there was a a really formative summer camp experience I had where I had a leadership role. And um, there were just other other connects that I had with students, uh, you know, from middle school to high school that uh, really kind of opened my eyes to the potential of um, just being present with students and to see um, that the that being present with students can uh, really bring transformation uh, to their lives in, in really real ways, just as much as if I was on stage singing. So I got some the the ministry training in my undergrad and then 
the expression of that training. Uh, as I graduated, I got hired as a, as a joint pastor. So I'm doing youth and worship at my current um, church right now. So it's really cool to hear just kind of how you got involved in ministry. And as I understand it, at some point in time, um, kind of early on in, in your ministry here, you came to the realization kind of around the holiday season that it's not actually easy for every person in your congregation. It's not easy for every person, you know, just in the local community. And lots of people need some some more support as they kind of struggle uh, during the se- this season. So h- how did you come to this realization? What did you see that sort of brought this to light? Yeah, I think one of the, the biggest eye-openers was just being a part of the vineyard community. And the, the community I'm a part of now, our church does a lot of work with our friends who are homeless. And so the practical needs during the holiday season from, you know, not having meals to not having the right clothes to not, you know, you fill in the blank. The practical needs became very apparent right away where you see our friends who don't have as much and that we get to step into the gap and it, it wasn't until I had, you know, a year of ministry that I started to really get in touch with the psychological and emotional needs, especially for students during this time. Because as you mentioned before, there's the natural kind of ramp up and tension when it, during the holiday season for family life. Usually, you know, you're around family a lot, sometimes for good or bad reasons. And that, that tension, we noticed that our students would, were very attuned to that. Um, even if they didn't have language for it, even if they didn't really know what was going on, but they could sense that there was uh, tension in the house. So all of that led to just kind of an awareness that there's there's greater needs. That's super interesting. So what you're saying is that as you got engaged with people who are homeless, that your outreach ministry kind of caused you to do some self-reflection on the way that you engage with students. I think that's really interesting because it's kind of like the outward focus gives gives us light and, and insight into ourselves. And I'm curious, tell us a little bit about tell us a little bit more about how how your church engaged with people who are homeless. Tell us a, a little bit about what that ministry looks like and 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 a little more about how how, how did that influence you? On a practical level, uh, we feed our homeless friends. Yeah, we feed them six days a week. And so in the summer, that's cold, cold meals. In the, in the winter, it's hot meals. And then seasonally, we have uh, a service that's a, like a Friday night kind of experience where our building is almost a hub where we host and we, we provide the, somebody to teach uh, the Bible, and, but we provide a really substantial meal for them. And so it started with food and historically just for the church, that that was always how it happened. We had some people in the kitchens who were just really driven to, to feed and to, they took Jesus really seriously when, when he said, when you've done these unto the least of me, or when you've done these unto the least of these, you've done them unto me. And so, yeah, we feed, that's where it started. And then there's a, there's a partnership with the church uh, across the way. We feed them, they house them when it gets below freezing. And so there's a kind of an ecumenical thing going on there, which is just beautiful to be a part of. And so, but then our students are um, just culturally in the church. It's, you know, there's our friends who are homeless. And it's like that language is important as well. It's like they're our friends. You know, we know their names and we know their story and we know why or why not they're on the streets or why they got off or whatever. And that language of friendship has been really transformative for our students. So there's um, 
it's just cultural now. There's, it's just normal. And that, that's because of the dedication of, you know, the people who've come behind us just to, to really to dig in and to be, um, yeah, to feed and to, to cover those basic physical needs. Wow. So then that's influenced the way that you do your student ministry because you kind of ended up more cognizant of a, of a different set of needs. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You said it before the, the looking out gives you light, you know, to look in. And so it, it, it helps dismantle entitlement when you're sitting across the table from someone who was your age at one point and has ended up on the streets. Uh, for whatever reason. And there's a there's a cultural compassion that's present now in our community where it's not their fault. And even the line between us and them uh, is blurred. And so it's those are our friends and we're on the streets, too. And so for our students, it's extremely important to know that we look at our, our friends who are homeless or it kind of like there's kind of the in-between, you know, like we got a lot of floaters who, you know, maybe they don't have a, an address, but they sleep different places. And unfortunately, that lines up with the stories of students sometimes as well. So we've we're, we're teaching them and we're hoping that they catch in our culture that there's a um, there's a there's a common denominator. It's we're all in the image of God. And so seeing almost in a reflection, seeing them as human, seeing seeing them as our friends, seeing them even as Jesus, you know, um, taking Jesus really seriously in that regard. That's that's changed our students' lives. For for me, knowing that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, knowing that I'm made in the image of God, that uh, what, what the Father said to Jesus, he says to me because of what Jesus has done, and that he invites me into that that relationship like of sonship, that has been one of the most transformative experiences of my life. And it's a, it's an ongoing process, but it dismantles my own patterns of self-hatred. It dismantles insecurities. And that experience of being undone, like on a personal level, helps give me compassion for students who are going through the same thing. Because I'm experiencing that transforming, it's almost like, you know, Jesus is just kind of washing me. Uh, washing off the cynicism, washing off just the the broken ways of thinking of myself and the ways that I try to fight the fact that he loves me. And you can fill in the blank. But what we've found is that our community is that washing experience for our students. And it, your, anyone's community has the potential to do that. And so it's like what we're doing with our students is helping them discover the the imago dei inside of them, that it's, it might be buried under, under pain or hormones or, you know, angst or teenage, whatever, or it might be, you know, buried under trauma, but that, that central part of who they are, that, that truest thing about them will never change and it can never be, never be tarnished. And so that helps take the pressure off that we're, we're helping students discover who the Lord has made them to be as opposed to trying to change who they are, you know, into something that would be acceptable to God, because that's not how the gospel works. Yeah, that's that's really important and really, really valuable, really strong theology, actually, that backs up why you do what you do. So I, I want to come back to that. But uh, for now, tell us tell us a little bit more about what you mean by uh, what, what you ended up doing to practically meet those basic needs of students uh, around the holidays. Like, like uh, you talked about 
we're seeing the mental health or or their family health or their or their social health or whatever. And in this time, there's kind of like it's kind of like an uh, there's extra pressure. There's it's like a pressure cookie cooker. So there's extra intensity around any issue in any of those spaces that that a kid has. So tell us a little bit about what you've done to actually practically try to meet these needs. Yeah, we've um, really, especially in the kind of the, the COVID-19 era of ministry that we're in, um, we've really, really simplified our programming. And I think the the best way to describe it is we're taking the energy that we would have used to invite students into our building and into our programming. And we're using that energy to try to invite them into our daily lives as leaders, like as stable adults. And so what that looks like um, for us is like one of the main things is establishing safe and like consistent uh, lines of communication. And so lots of emails, lots of texting. um, And we have, you know, we have measures in place to keep that as safe and as integrous as possible. But we're seeing more and more and more that um, when we can play the role of um, like a transformative relational adult, when we can play that role for a student, it does wonders for them. Um, there was a study out um, that, that said that one of the, the common denominators with a student who has a faith that lasts from youth group all the way you know, to later adult life was that they have five loving, caring, consistent adults connected with them. It wasn't how much their attendance is. It's not how much, you know, how engaged they are during worship. So we run a really simple program. It's not flashy. And what that means is that what we look at as successful has changed as well in order to meet those relational and emotional needs. And so we'll talk with our volunteers that work on our team to, you know, help out with the youth. And our metrics are no longer, you know, how many how many kids do we have? How many, you know, um, what did this kid raise their hand in worship this week? You know, like whatever we may have looked at before, those metrics have changed, especially given just kind of the crisis, you know, environment that we're in culturally. Um, we've simplified things down to each kid gets a how are you this week? Each kid gets eye contact. And we've made it cultural language, um, almost like a tagline for our youth group is that we say we love you and we care about you every week. And so we, we really put a lot of energy into normalizing affectionate language, um, family language, and uh, to help provide a safe space for students to process their own, you know, nuclear family, uh, like stress and struggles. So yeah, that's just a little bit of how we're trying to navigate that. Well, as we're listening to Tim today, one thing that stands out to me is how complicated working with hurting people can be, especially during the holidays. Yeah, if you're a leader working with hurting people in your ministry, uh, you maybe have had moments where you felt unprepared to deal with a difficult problem or a difficult season or, or maybe just a, an emergency situation. Yes, and that's why Rally Point has a coaching program for leaders in that place. When you talk with a coach, you'll get equipped with the tools you need to be prepared in those difficult moments. As a leader, you will feel confident when a complicated situation comes up, and your ministry will grow as people find healing together. You can set up an initial conversation at no cost by visiting rallypointmen.com slash coaching. 
So in the past couple of years, you've done some things, especially around the holidays, to kind of up the intensity of your support. What what do you focus on? What kinds of things do you try to, to pay attention to during and around the holidays? Yeah, in the past, um, we lean into a lot of the like relational for that. The context for the relational stuff for us a lot of times is a lot of fun. It's not necessarily super high energy. It's not necessarily, you know, high budget. It's we try to just bring that warmth relationally. So like we watched a Christmas movie together. You know, that's something that, you know, I did in my family growing up. It's, you know, you watch this movie every year. And so we did that as a as a family. So um, that was one thing we did. We try to we just try to make it really warm. Like, can you can you um, make eye contact with a kid? Can you can you enter into a transformative conversation while you're drinking hot cocoa? You know, so we're less interested with our students being entertained in this season, and we're more interested in them being like experiencing the the care. And then a couple of years ago, you also did uh, an event, some kind of event. I think you called it like Blue Christmas or something like that with a uh, with a local counselor. Yeah, so that was um that was for our adults and students are also invited. We had some of our older students come to that and that's a a special um more kind of traditional liturgical service for those who grieve during the holidays where the the holidays kind of push up against maybe a death in the family or um brokenness that has come up during this time. Yeah. So what did it look like? Uh tell us a little bit more about that. What what kinds of support, uh, what, what did that kind of support look like? Yeah, so that, um, we found it really valuable. And this is kind of Haley's, you know, dream. And we got to run with it. Um, is, and Haley is a therapist in your church? Yes, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so she, um, she just nailed it, you know. And so we got to come and support. And yeah, it's a, it's a service where we, we make intentional time to, acknowledge that yes the holidays aren't always holly jolly and it's not always happy and it's not always warm and sometimes it's cold and seasonal depression's real and so we were really thoughtful about the way that we put the service together we come from more of a kind of a free church environment uh, where there isn't a lot of written prayers there isn't a lot of um, we lean more on the charismatic side um, and we set those things aside for a second and really lean into um thoughtful, presentational, um, really rich historical prayers, uh, really rich, thoughtful teachings, um, and really just uh, giving people space to shed a tear if they need to, or to hold someone or to to grieve again, um, a loss that happened during the holidays. Yeah, so it affects everything. It affects, it affects the songs we sing. It affects... Um, you know, the way that we look at the scriptures and yeah. So it's a special, special time. Yeah. What, what do you think are the critical elements of supporting people, especially during the holidays? Like what do you do? What do you think? What have people and and students in your ministry and people in your church found was helpful? Yeah. I think if I had to boil it down, it would be, we found a lot of, I hate using the word impact, but we found a lot of positive effect in adjusting our pace so that things in services can be a little bit more lower stimulation. Like the holidays are insane, right? It's just very fast. It's go, go, go. And so we found that when we can slow down, it helps us here 
the, the still small voice of God and it helps our students experience that as well. And so kind of making our programming almost an oasis instead of adding to the kind of the Christmas noise or the Thanksgiving noise or whatever it is. So yeah, that's the huge thing. Being really almost aggressive with how slow paced our, uh, our programming is during that time. Asking questions like how relational is this, not how entertaining is this. So pace, yeah, massive. And then presence as leaders, as adults, making the, making the time to answer those emails from a seventh grader, making that time to text your high schooler, making that time to have that phone conversation. It doesn't have to be long, doesn't even have to feel like it was super meaningful. But we found that those moments when we slow down and are able to be present with the student, those add up over time. And there's a really rich, transformative reward on the other end. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, Tim, I'm curious to hear, what are some of the things you have seen people do that maybe we as ministry leaders need to avoid doing or saying around the holidays so that we don't end up unintentionally hurting people? Totally. Yeah. I think like something I've had to learn is really watching the us and them language where it could be, you know, a lot of times it comes from a good place. Like it comes from, that means you have a really cohesive unit, whether it's your youth group or your church, where there is a, it's like, we're a family where that can get toxic. I think uh, during the holidays is when there is an exclusivity. I think of all places, you know, and of all times during the, the ministry year that using as much inclusive language as possible is just massive. It's a massive gift to everyone. And then there's like we've touched on already, there's the grief that can some sometimes come up during the holidays or there's that tension and there's a real temptation. And this also comes from a good place, but there's a real temptation to try to fix it instead of just being there and helping hold space for a student that's grieving or hold space and using reflective listening and using these skills to be good listeners. That's critical because there's, I, one of the most crushing things I think a student can experience is having their pain like dismissed during the holidays. Like, oh, just cheer up. It's Christmas, you know? And so just, yeah, being present, being slowing down, you know? So those are, those are the things I would like avoid would be to, you know, try to fix things. It's, that's, that's the Holy Spirit's work, you know, in someone. And so what we get to do is just give space for that. So, yeah. Yeah, that's really valuable. And, you know, another question I have for you is what can we do to build a community where people feel welcomed, loved, and included no matter what's going on in their outside circumstances? And I think that doesn't just go for the holidays. That's just in general. You know, what can we do to build that community and offer people that spot where they can feel welcomed, loved, and included no matter what's going on in their outside circumstances? Great question. I think that we have found that when we try to be entertaining or we try to be flashy or we try to be whatever for our group, that that gets in the way of what God's doing in terms of relationship. And so we have spent a lot of time praying. We've spent a lot of time having lots of conversations and trying to discover who is Jesus calling our group and our students to be as a group. We're trying not to look too much and trying not to compare what we're doing, how it looks, how it feels. And we're instead trying to to pray and like to really seek the Lord on what is he calling us to be uh, for our city, you know, because we fill a specific role 
and fit a fit a certain kind of box and minister to a certain group of students. And so I think all that being said, I think uh, one of the best things you can do is lean into the unique kind of quirky, weird call that the Lord has for whatever, whatever your group is. Lean into that, accept it, love it. We found great success with that. And then in addition to that, yeah, yeah, just, just pray a lot <laughs> and ask the Lord to give you wisdom. Ask the Lord to give you inspiration and creativity and being okay with uh, not looking like the youth group down the road and knowing that that's okay. Yeah, not looking like the youth group down the road. I like that. Okay, so so there are ways that you, well, I like the way that you talk really relationally and the way that you encourage your leaders and your volunteers. Like the thing that matters most is, is relational. It, it's those five people in connection. Uh, there's also an element where you've talked about accountability. Like it's not an accident that volunteers are relational in a relational ministry. Like in one sense, uh, there's a come with me, hey, you know, like I, I'm going to go do a house repair. Uh, you want to come with me to Menards and pick up supplies and then you can come over to my house and, you know, I'll feed you if you'll help me build this fence. <laughs> I know. I mean, I've done that. I think maybe <laughs> I think maybe Noah actually helped me with a project <laughs> like that. And I've, anyway, I've, I've dragged uh, I've dragged all sorts of students into all sorts of weird parts of my life in the name of relational ministry. And it's uh, it's that come with me ministry. But there's also an element that I like, uh, I'd like to hear a little bit more about. It's that accountability part. How do you how do you make sure that you don't miss a hurting student? Uh, because hurting students are usually not always, but they're they're often the quiet ones. And they're almost always the ones at most risk for sliding through the cracks. How do you make sure that they that they don't uh, slide through the cracks. Yeah, yeah, great question. Um, we're definitely still learning how to do that. It's really easy to be drawn to students who I think as they grow up, they might be called powerful or might be called popular. It's really easy as a leader, especially when a student gives you what you think you want to really just kind of pour into, you know, the bright and the beautiful. And that, uh, I think that misses, like you said, there, that leaves some big cracks and so we're learning. We're definitely learning how to do that. We, uh, we're currently like, let's just take youth group on Zoom. You know, a lot of us have been trying to navigate that and online programming. And um, we have made it a cultural norm to do check-ins. And we do, uh, we have students hold up, you know, a number one through 10 on their, on their hands, you know, and just uh, what was your week like? And giving low pressure, high invitation space for students to share whatever it is and being okay with sometimes that goes left. And, you know, like, you know, we trust our leaders that we can pastor through that. If something is said, that's intense or whatever, but um, not every student will share. Even if there's like only five people on a zoom call, there's going to be students who don't share and that's common. And so what we've done is we've made it, we've normalized um, the, the reality that sometimes it's it doesn't feel safe to share and that's okay. Like you don't need to feel embarrassed by that. And um, if there's something that you feel like you need to share um, privately or with a leader, that's where we, like I mentioned before, that's where we really lean on those, those clear and consistent communication lines. And so 
real world story. We had a very quiet Zoom call recently uh, with our students. A lot of that quietness was connected to a lot of students put up, you know, ones or twos. They had really hard weeks and they, they didn't feel like they wanted to share in a big group setting. And so I made a, I made a point before we dismissed to say, really, if you, ha- if you need to talk, just let us know. And we've gotten some emails from students where they say, and it's clumsy, you know, and it's slow and that's okay because that's how, that's how sometimes relationships are. It's clumsy and slow, and, but it's really good. And there are students who tend to fall through the cracks that find a safe place in writing out their thoughts or texting or emailing. So we really lean on those clear and consistent lines of communication so that students can reach out when they're ready. Yeah. So one of the things I I think is really valuable about the way you do ministry in particular is the way that you you feel for, you, you emote with, you empathize with your students, you relate to them. And I think you do that because you do ministry out of your own story, your own experience of pain. Can can you share a little bit about how you do that? Like in a way that you connect with your kids? It, it's like you've experienced a lot of similar things to your hurting kids and you use that. So how do you use that in ministry? Yeah, um, I think I've, <laughs> yeah, that's a good, that's a good one. Um, I think... There, there is a great invitation for all of us, I think, to do like to go through your story and to, to let the Lord heal maybe pain from the past, because that was one of the things that I realized really, really quick was that my story will kind of come back up to me in a seventh grader. And there, there will be moments where I see myself in students and there's an opportunity there. I've noticed a correlation between my own self-acceptance and own ability to, to receive healing from the Lord in my own life with, with, if there's painful things that have happened. And there, that correlates with my ability to in, engage with the student with care and compassion. And so a lot of my off time is spent, whether in counseling or whether in therapy, doing my own inner work um, with the Lord so that I can respond to different levels of pain, even if it's stuff, you know, that's really hard with care and compassion and presence. So that's, that's the, that's one big thing. And yeah, it's, I can't, I can't stress that enough. It's, it's one of the greatest invitations I think in this, in this era is to, to say yes, to, to doing some inner work and getting to the root of some of your pain. And the outflow of that for me has been the ability to enter into pain of others and let let Jesus speak through me and uh, to be caring and compassionate. So when you say you've done some inner inner work, what are some of the things that that have been helpful to you as you've uh, done that kind of work? What what tools have you used that have helped you? And like a lot of people experience a lot of pain and they bring it into ministry. It, it might even be the reason they got into ministry, but there's a lot of things that can happen to a ministry leader based on their own story. And that's not, that's, that's not good or bad by itself because it might be, like I said, the way they got into ministry, the reason that they got into ministry. But if they don't do good work on themselves, um, it can really hurt their ministry. So can you tell us what are some of the things that you found helpful uh, to do to, to, for yourself um, to do your own work? What, what have you done? What, what are the tools you've used that have helped you connect with kids in a healthier way? Currently, 
um, I've found, I would recommend to anyone getting into some sort of typology. So like for me, that's the Enneagram. It could be Myers-Briggs. It could be, we all need those, those structures to help kind of find that reference, you know, for our underside, get that language for your own brokenness so that you can, you know, stop trying to fix yourself through fixing a student. So yeah, I, I meet with a counselor. I would just highly, highly suggest that let go of any old stigma that you have about being in counseling. You should just be in counseling just to talk through whatever. Like if, if therapy is a good option for you, do it. It's incredibly, incredibly important, I think, especially given uh, just the world that we live in today. Yeah, that's fantastic. So as you've done that work, let's come back to the question about the holidays. How does that work that you've done for yourself, around yourself, and your experience, how does, how does your experience of even the holidays in the past affect the way that you do ministry uh, to, to the kids that are around you? I'd say, taking my own holiday experiences, there have been moments where I've felt uh, left out and not necessarily because of anything specific or intentional to make me feel left out, but I've carried that. And I'm realizing in this season that I've carried that for a lot of my life. And so kind of the, the invitation there to my students is I, I don't want them to feel like they're left out. Um, in our, in our holiday programming. And so that's why we make it so simple. Yeah. So you, you've experienced feeling left out. You've experienced pain during the holidays. And on the one hand that can make, that can make you like a lot of us tend to run from our pain and be like, Oh, let's just make it the most fun holiday or, or or something like that. Or I'm going to just try to recoup from or, or redeem my own holiday experience. So we're going to just try to have fun for everyone. But there's actually real value in recognizing my pain uh, and my my painful experiences of the holidays in the past. And it's something I can kind of tap into uh, when I realize that there are people in my my ministry and my sphere of influence that are having a similar experience. Maybe they feel left out or unheard, or maybe they have experienced loss or, or, or something like that. And it gives us some space to be really intentional. And I think that's that's really good. Uh, I think what I heard from you is that there's a couple things that you've done to uh, that have helped you with your intentional work, counseling, finding a type of a, a typology that gives you vocabulary, and that expanded vocabulary is, is really helpful. And then that that inner work uh, has helped you as you care for kids, especially in a trickier season, like as we approached uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas. Um, and, and that's really helped you relate to them and care for them and build stronger relationships. It, is there one piece of advice, like one thing that you would say to every volunteer or every ministry leader or anybody who's listening to our podcast, something like this is what you need to be thinking about. As we march towards Christmas or, or New Year's or Thanksgiving, what would that one piece of advice? Okay, I would say never underestimate the power of the community that you're creating in ministry. That that is that's the table. That's where the that's where the life transformation happens. That's what sustains 
students as they wander and as they come back. And so do everything that you can to be as present to that community as you possibly can. Yeah. So there's been a a lot of really good thoughts today. Uh, I'm really grateful that you took the time to be with us, Tim. I love these ideas. I, I, I'm so grateful for the fact that God has placed in us uh, his image, that we are all bearers of the image of God. And I'm grateful for you bringing the idea that, that we as ministry leaders, we need to do work on our past and on our pain. And when we do that work well, we can actually use it to relate to the students in our ministries. And I appreciate you bringing up the idea of just being aware of our hurting kids during this time of year and just being cognizant of them, just, just noticing them. So thank you so much for, uh, for being with us today and, and wrestling with these concepts with us today. I'm, I'm really grateful for you making the time. Yeah, thanks, Tim. We really appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks so much. Yeah, of course. This has been good. It's been real fun. Yeah. So one of the things that I really like and appreciate about Tim is his focus on relationships and especially in the holiday season, making sure that every kid in his ministry is connected with relationally, but but that he doesn't do that kind of in a lazy haphazard way, but there's some accountability and he makes sure that multiple adults are are trying to connect with, with each kid. And so I just really appreciated that about him. Yeah, absolutely. I think the big thing that really stands out to me is just him talking about the fact that there's a correlation between his self-acceptance and his ability to speak into the pain of others' life and, and you know, just the authenticity that comes with that, with the recognizing, dealing with, and moving through his own pain has really helped him connect to and support the the pain in other people's lives. And I think that's really valuable is doing that work of recognizing that in ourselves asking the Lord to heal it, and then asking the Lord to use us in the lives of others. So one of the big points Tim made today was that just about every ministry leader has people around them who are struggling during the holidays. Maybe you can picture some of those people now. And that's why we've created a simple worksheet that will help you identify those people and then think through how to equip them with the support they need through this season. To get that guide, you can go on over to rallypointmin.com slash podcast, and you can subscribe with your email. You'll get a link there where you can download this resource and get others that we've created just for you. And if you like what you heard today, please rate or review this podcast. By doing that, you can empower other leaders with tools that can help them to support others. Also, we want to hear from you. We'd love to hear how this podcast has helped you. Uh, maybe this episode, things that you thought were interesting, or uh, what challenges you're facing in your ministry that we could cover. Uh, you can contact us by sending us an email to hello at rallypointmin.com. Thank you so much for listening. 